Hi everyone, I'm Katie Dawson and welcome to Super Creative, a podcast that delivers candid conversations with inspiring women who are thriving in business. Today on the podcast, I speak to Meg Gallagher, visual artist and denim designer. Meg has spent the past decade in Australia working in top design roles for some of the most recognisable brands in the fashion industry, including Camilla and Mark, Insight and Subi. After years of the intensive fashion loop, she started to feel the itch to create slower work with her hands, so she translated everything she knew about denim, textiles and colour into creating art. She started selling pieces privately and demand swiftly grew into creating commissions and showing in galleries. Returning home to Aotearoa in March 2022, Meg lives in Otipoti, Dunedin, working from a shared studio space called the Crystal Ballroom. Meg's ability to translate nature's rugged beauty and shifting energy into incredible, large-scale contemporary landscapes has attracted collectors across the globe. Her use of denim as a canvas and the textured treatment she applies speaks to her time in the fashion industry. I first came across Meg's work when previous guest Kelly Mueller shared something on Instagram. That led me into becoming instantly obsessed with her amazing work. In an interview with Homestyle, Meg's process is described as a blend of control and chance, which seemed like such an accurate description when you get a mesmerising behind-the-scenes glimpse on Instagram. I was so keen to chat with Meg about her creative journey, from the highs of the fashion world to stepping back, slowing down, moving to the bottom of the South Island and embarking on a career change as a working artist. She's achieved such wonderful success in such a short time, and as with all of the artists I speak to, I love hearing how they're able to make a living turning a passion into business. When I think of some of the high-profile and glamorous brands Meg had worked with, it would be easy to be intimidated. But our conversation was an absolute delight. I'm sure we could have talked for so much longer. Meg is an open book, down-to-earth, funny, and happy to chat about all areas of her artist's life. And after this chat, or perhaps even during, I suggest you head straight over to Meg's Instagram, at Meg Gallagher Creative, and prepare yourself to be captivated by the beauty of her work. And then you can head to her website, meggallaghercreative.com, and sign yourself up to receive her next catalogue. I know you will love my korero with Meg as much as I did. Once again, thank you to Bookity Book Books, who are the sponsors of this episode and the first ever sponsors of this podcast. Thank you, Mandy and Bookity, for your support. And I'd like to take a quick second to say thank you so much for listening to Super Creative. Whether you're a long-time listener or new to the podcast, I really do appreciate you so much. I'd love it if you would consider taking a moment to leave a review and give a rating on your preferred platform. Reviews are so powerful for podcasts, and I personally love reading every single one. And the same thing goes for following and sharing on Instagram. If you particularly resonate with an episode, I would really appreciate any comments or shares. They really do make my day. Right, let's get on with the show. Hi Meg and welcome to my podcast. Hi Katie, thanks for having me. I'm going to start off by asking you to describe who you are and what you do. Okay, my name is Meg Gallagher and I'm an artist. I paint abstract textural landscapes and my material of choice is denim, which is linked to my background in fashion and being a denim designer. You've probably heard that I start off these podcasts where I explain to the guest why it is yeah. that I wanted to get them on. And for you, I am like obsessed with your work. Like I love it so much and I am mesmerized by it. And I, I just went through just before we chatted again, I follow you on mm-hmm. Instagram and 
I look forward to every post oh, because thank I you. just, it's like, it's watching a thing of beauty. And I really love as an artist how, and it's the artists that I have talked mm. to on this podcast are often similar, that they are happy to share their journey of how they create their work and their life as an artist. And I think it's something that you do so well. And yeah, I just love, I love all your work. I love watching your work. And I think I came across you through Kelly Mueller, who's a previous guest. So since then, I've been like following your journey and yeah. And then I approached you and you said yes. And then I then discovered that you've got a background in fashion, which yes. I am, which links the denim as, as you said. So those are all the reasons that I wanted to talk to you and am really looking forward to hearing your creative and business journey. Oh, I love it. So as you know, we go back to the start. We take it back, get a bit of background. Where are you from? Did you study? What's your background? Okay. Talk us yeah. through it. So I am from Dunedin and grew up here on a little kind of lifestyle farm just around the bay. And, but just the, I was like one, the only girl with three brothers and for some reason just was like desperate to not be like a farm girl and just to be I just was so obsessed with like fashion and even now I was like dancing all that anything like that seemed glamorous opposite opposite right I ended up studying fashion and I chose to study at Otago because at the Polytech because they were strong with teaching technical skills like how to sew do lots of textiles dyeing all that like pattern making and even though I was like still desperate to leave Dunedin, I was like, oh no, I stayed there to study and I loved it. Like I also, what was so great about that degree was that it had the link to being able to do an exchange in Milan. So for the last year. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Like the Polytech, it's such a great, it's such a great school. It was just like, and they just had like for, for, for being in Dunedin, it had so many great international links that I think people don't know. And so I remember being like, I'll do this. And then I was like desperate to get onto that exchange. And so I applied to get like a scholarship to go to this. So I could afford to go and live in Milan for I think it was like five months. Yeah. So it was like a semester. And so I did that for the last year. And by the time I then graduated and did like the emerging designer show and all that stuff, I was like then ready to go. Went to Wellington, did lots of interning, like so much free work because it was just at the financial crisis and so everyone, like the recession and no one had paid for it. Yeah, I was going to say, what year would this have been? What like year was, would you? Was it like 2008, 2009? So it was yeah. like when everyone okay. was buckling down, things were like hard and so it was like there was no paid work. I mean, there's not much paid fashion work already, right? And this was like, none. But I remember I was like, okay, I just worked retail and then I did as much just free interning brands like 27 Names and Robert Matheson and anything. I was just obsessed about getting anything on my CV. Did you just approach them? Yeah, I chose them for work experience. And then I just sat there doing anything and it was so quiet. Like, honestly, so quiet. And I was so, so <laughs> shy. But I just did that. So for a few years, I just worked for free. And then I ended up getting like a job at Robin Matheson, like in her workroom. But I was also, I was like tea lady, courier person, 
I would drop everything off. I also worked in the store, but I also was working in the workroom. Did you love that? Yeah, like it was just great. Some days I'd just be ironing for like days on end and then or scrunching silk and all that stuff. But I loved it. I think a big thing that I've always held on to is just keep momentum, like just keep in it and not, you know, I mean, still hard. Like I was always like, oh my God, like when am I actually going to get a real job? <laughs> then I desperate to again leave. I was thinking I was going to move to Melbourne, went and interviewed with a few different brands in Melbourne and Sydney. And of all jobs I got was this job in at Colette Dinnigan, which was this kind of amazing, yeah, it was hectic, like rock up. They just needed help. There was such a big force, like her brand was massive. And it was like, cool, if you can move over to Australia next week, then you can have this job. And I was like, because I was just there visiting and I was like, okay, okay. So I just packed up and left and then went there. And I worked there for a few months. And then I actually got made redundant. So it was like, oh my gosh. Like, I was like, oh, that's not what I'd planned. And I remember being like, oh my God. And then like, luckily I got this kind of contract job, like job, like doing all these illustrations because I could hand draw. And it's like interesting how much that hand drawing things like, not just with my art, but with the fashion stuff has like maybe set me apart from some people. Like obviously I still do technical stuff on the computer. And you really need to know that these days, but I could hand draw. Did you get taught that at tech? Yeah, at tech. It's funny because I'm that generation where I know what it's like to not have the internet. Yes. (laughs) I also am that generation. But then also that generation of you've got to know how to do Illustrator and Photoshop and all that stuff. But there was a big emphasis on hand drawing. So doing all your illustrations, like traditional, like fashion illustration. So I got this lucky gig where I was like hand drawing these lookbooks for people. So I did that for a few months and then I got this call about working at Subi and I was like, okay, that's way too cool for me. But Would that have been peak Subi? Yeah, they were working like under the umbrella brand of Bleach. So there was like this amazing studio. It was like Insight, the surf kind of brand and this other brand called Something Else by Natalie. And... And so then, and then there was the Subi office. And so it was this amazing, like, mecca of, like, cool people. And was that a job you applied for? Or did was that like a, you knew someone there and they were like, there's a job? All of my jobs in Australia were all through recruitment agents. And I think I always say that to people. I'm like, it's like, it was all through recruitment agents. It played a big part in me getting these jobs. Because, no, I didn't know anyone at Subi. I wasn't that cool. you're like I was too young to have connections I didn't have any connections but I think what paid a good part in it is I had good experience because I'd just been working for wherever I'd done the exchange in Italy my portfolio was good because I could hand draw and do computer work as well and all that so I think that kind of just paid off so I got this job at Subi and I was supposed to be working in the fashion team like drawing up like dresses and jackets and apparel and all that stuff and then at the time the denim designer she was like oh my god she's just so creative this woman called Christine and everyone called her apples and she was just like incredible like cooler style amazing but she came from a really non-traditional background of study and and so she was like oh if you can help me draw up these tech picks and right all the stuff that you do to get it across to the offshore suppliers she was like cool we can kind of be this little team 
And that's how I got into this denim work was that she taught me so much. And George Goro was there still as well. And he taught me heaps as well. Just so it opened up my world about denim design. Subi was such a visionary design label at the time. It was doing things that no one was doing. It was just so cool because I felt like it was almost like celebrating the way you worked at the polytech and like where you can like the world's your oyster do what you want and it was I was like oh man okay like amazing and I think I'd realized that I love the textile element of stuff I love color I love fabric I love doing all this weird stuff so being in a job where we're like doing crazy stuff to jeans I was like oh my god like soaking it up but I was still super green super young didn't have much confidence I would still struggle to like put ideas forward and it was still quite an overwhelming place to be at but I stayed there for years and I got introduced to like going over to the denim factories and sourcing vintage vintage denim in Thailand and going to Hong Kong and getting fabrics and then going through all that stuff just started to play a big part and I guess once you get to know how denim factories work and all that then that's like a huge thing. I then that so then the company then went into liquidation. So I feel like I'm always just playing <laughs> the wave of them. And I then went to Camilla and Mark. So I went back to this like quite really nice fashion serious thing. But it was great. I was working on C and M, so it was more of their lifestyle day casual stuff anyway. And then again, like they kind of wanted to start making denim and so I was like okay cool I can do that so then did that and but that was such a nice few years like working on again like into this high fashion thing it was like they had such a nice emphasis on design and keeping things refined and it was really good even though aesthetically I feel like I resonated more with just like the grit of Subi just being like a gritty maybe like New Zealand girl I felt like I was always putting on a thing trying to keep up a thing with the Camilla Rock aesthetic. And so Subi got bought out again by General Pants and they called up and they said, oh, look, we need somebody to come. It was actually to come and be a designer for Subi and Insight and the whole big machine that General Pants was. And I know everyone was, oh, that's crazy because you're leaving this like high fashion job. And I was like, oh, I know, but it just, there's something about it. I couldn't leave the denim part. There's just something about like, I think it's the textile element. It's like almost like there's so much um experimenting in it there's so much stuff like just all the different things with the wash recipes and all the change about it I loved so um that opportunity to come back and do that was amazing and I ended up there for six years and Subi was then built back up again to be this like mega brand that it is now and it's like it's built back up to this mega brand in America now like it's got a whole different culture a whole different culture to what it was with that more of that grimy surf scene that it used to have but yeah so all of a sudden again I was in this massive denim world traveling heaps like going to Turkey twice a year Hong Kong twice a year then going to New York and LA and vintage shopping so much to get inspiration did you love it because that sounds, that sounds so good super <laughs> glamorous yeah did you love it yeah I actually I did like yeah. especially those first few years yeah. I was still probably about, what, 27, 28. Oh, I was like in my element. I loved it. And also vintage shopping. Like, I feel like a lot of New Zealanders are good at vintage shopping, if you know op shopping. They're real crunchy, really 
shitty ones you gotta sift through and i feel like it was just weird i feel like all my kind of stuff that i learned in Eden, it was strange how much it translated to these cool fashion jobs like going to these big old warehouses and you're sifting through stuff and it's stinks and all this old stuff i was like some people are like oh i don't want to i was like i've got this like this is my element so i loved that going to japan was amazing like all that vintage stuff like i was like oh this is so good it got i think the factory stuff got quite tiring a bit so i was traveling a lot i still loved it I, looking back, I probably wasn't the most well-balanced human. And I was still traveling lots when I had my son. I had my son when I just hit 30 and I was like, I can still do it all. I could go traveling lots and then I'll do this and this. And looking back, I'm like, oh, I thought I could do it all. But I think that's a thing, like when your job is a creative job or like I get a lot of my, like a lot of my mental health is balanced by being creative. So it was this bizarre thing. I was like, I need to do something creative. But then I was like, but how much? So I went back in 100% where I probably could have just gone back in a little bit. But I loved getting, after being at home with the newborn baby, I was like, oh my God, like, I need to be able to start creating. And I, but I had probably so much wrapped up in it with my identity as well that I probably was like, I'm back. I'm here. Don't worry, guys. I'm still relevant. I'm still yeah. relevant. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Like, because I was working with so many people that were young. And I was like, I can still keep up with everyone. And you were actually were still so young at 30 yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. But it's funny <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that. And I think, yeah, just after I had my son, though, I started painting again. And I used to paint when I was at fashion school. And I used to always, especially before, but. I started painting again and I think something clicked where I was like, oh my God, this is, this is, I've found like something that's mine. Cause for so long, like when you work in the fashion industry, at least it's your own label, you're working for someone else's vision. And it's obviously it's nice cause you can, I was going to say you can come home and forget about it, but you don't. So it's nice, like it's somebody else's thing and everything, but it's somebody else's vision. I, do, I just think it got to the point where I was like, why am I getting wrapped up in these brands? And it's not even, it's not really me. Like it was getting more and more obvious that maybe it wasn't me, especially when Subi started to drift into this like American hip hop culture. I was like, oh, this, I'm like, not. I felt like a bit of a, I felt like a bit of an imposter. And so when I started doing the art, I was like, oh man, this felt so nice. It was like my thing. No one was there to critique me. It was just me doing it. And I think that started when, I think I I had started it and then COVID happened. I had been painting for about a year before COVID happened and just selling like when people, I'd put something up on Instagram and people say, I'd love that. Or right. people would contact me. And so I think I was very lucky to have some just initial like encouragement to keep the momentum going. Yes. Because so much of that is, as an artist, like you just need like those little bits of encouragement. Yeah. So I think all of a sudden I had this encouragement. I was like, oh my God, maybe I can do this. And so as it just started to trickle where I was just like, painting more in the weekend and at nights and I'd get up at 5am and like paint for a bit then go to work and then come home and it was just getting a little bit I was like whoa 
I want to be painting all the time. And you're still in Sydney? Yeah, I'm still in Sydney at this point. Yeah. I would move like down into Yowie Bay, which is like further down the south and just past Prunella. But I was like in the suburbs, but did have this amazing place that we could I could paint outside it. And it was a really good space that kind of set me up to be able to do all this like messy textile stuff. But still in Sydney, but just that balance of keeping up with the Joneses and trying to be an artist. By then, my job at Subi was I had about six direct reports. So I was managing people and I just was like, I can't be a very good manager to these people because uh, there's not much to give. And I was like, this role needs someone who's so, so, so obsessed with it. And I think I just got to that point after 10 years of being in that whole thing. It was really weird. It was like I got the job I always wanted, but by the time I got it, I was like, I'm on to the next. <laughs> You'd, it's, it had run its yeah. course for you a bit. Yeah. I just think maybe if I hadn't started painting, I just wouldn't have, I would have just kept going. But it was just bizarre because I think it was like, oh man, this is like everything I said I wanted and more. And I just was like, all I want to do is paint. <laughs> and so, you just got the bag. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that was just like a big decision to move back to New Zealand where I was like, financially, I can just give myself a bit of breathing space. Even though it was super scary because I was like, wait, I'm saying no to this like city that has so much opportunity. But I was like, if I can go back to Dunedin. I also craved being back in Dunedin. I craved raising my son. Did you? I craved raising my son in New Zealand. I just was like, oh, my God. I had no idea how much of a magnetic pull I'd have to come back to New Zealand after having my son. Like, I thought I'd be in Sydney forever and maybe just not in New Zealand. And then I was like, since I had yes. him, I was like, oh, my God, I really want to be back. I And so it was just. So did that yeah. seed just start planted and you just start thinking about it, start thinking about it? Yeah. I want to go home. I want to go home. Yeah. And so I was upset. Like, I was like, okay, I really want to go. Obviously, then, like, COVID made it take forever. Now that feels just like a big, bad dream um, of how mm. long it took. So by the time I got back, because he was going, oh, my God, are you going to have a freak out that you get back to New Zealand? And everyone assumed I was just moving to Auckland. And I was like, oh, no, Dunedin. And they're like, where? like what and so by the time I actually got here I was like oh my god kissing the ground just oh god so thankful but it's just been really lucky I feel it was a big risk to move back because I didn't there's a big chance that I, I can move back and things will slow down completely and my art will just become like a, a, a hobby that will just need to go on the back burner and it was just all that stuff I I don't know if I was telling myself that to just prepare myself for all the feelings I thought I would have, but it's, I've just been so lucky. Like I feel like it's actually been a massive pro being back here. Amazing. Immersed in so close to nature all the time. I have this great studio that I share with all these amazing creatives, including my brother. So I've got family around. I've got just and the ability to be able to create in a really nice balanced way feel like I can because I need to be able to give myself like enough space and time to be able to create without burning out. So when did you officially land back in New Zealand? Was it like March 22? So that's only a year and a half ago. Wow yeah. You, that's yeah when they like finally let the everyone come back. I already found a studio space and a house and everything and I was like okay I just couldn't get back there but 
So as soon as I got back, I'd hit the ground running to get back into painting. I was going to ask, so it was a very, I will get a studio and I'm not going to try and get a job or anything like that. I'm coming home and I will be a full-time artist. I think there's some weird thing that I'm good at just going for it in some things and some things not, but there are some things when it comes to getting doing things with creative stuff like this I'm like all right keep my momentum keep going blah blah, blah. for some reason that's like I've never struggled with that like I've never struggled with that like, you committed to it yeah with kind of just being like oh I'll just do it slowly I was like yep no I don't know because I was like oh my god that was a big when I think look back that was a big financial kind of thing like okay I'm getting a rent a studio got a big space doing this I did I was really lucky I've had a few different brands that have contracted me to do some design work for them so I was like cool it just allowed a little bit of cash to come through to help facilitate the art and the art thing is like it is such a huge roller coaster of cash flow one minute you're like I'm going to do an exhibition and you're like oh that's going to cost me ten thousand dollars in framing but I'm going to do it not knowing if I'm going to sell or anything it's a whole new world financially to think about right like it's a whole new kind of structure of finances because I guess once you get in the rhythm of Mm. it and you can plan around it then it's okay but you've got to actually set it all up yeah first and because there's a lot of outlay like you say and then you're gonna sell and yes yeah so it's all that stuff but for some reason and I reckon it's quite good as as ignorance is bliss in a way when you're setting up a thing because I didn't come from a traditional art background I was just like I'm just rolling with whatever momentum I've got and I was just happy for it that's the thing that people would say, why don't you start a profession brand? I was like, oh, I know too much. I know too much and how hard it is. Yes. Maybe because I didn't know enough about the art world, I was like, okay, I'll just give it a go. You know, I feel like I hear that lots of people starting up a business. Sometimes you actually need to have some blind ignorance to this kick coffee. So you arrive and you just hit the ground running. Yeah, literally just, I remember like sending all this denim that I had because I get all this denim sent from all these offcuts from factories that don't need it anymore. And like, they'll just send me these strips of it and stuff. And I think I dyed some while I was in Sydney and then shipping it over. And so as soon as we got to Dunedin, I was like, oh my God, pulling it out. And I just started painting in the studio. And then I was like, okay, I'll just see. I hadn't set up. I don't think I had any exhibition set up by then. Oh, maybe I had one in six months time in Melbourne. But I was like, maybe I'll just see if I can sell a few via, now I have this system of selling it via this catalogue that I do. And I was like, I'll just see if anyone's still interested. Kind of feeling like I had maybe, I was like, oh God. It's it's like you imagine everyone's watching you go to Dunedin and you go, they're like irrelevant. And so I was like, I'll just see. And I remember putting it out there being like, oh, look, I've created, I think it was six pieces. And then I think I sold them all in that in the the next two days or something just via people emailing about it and I think that was like a massive thing for me to go like okay I can do this I think the world's opened up I would have been such a boost on so many levels like financially just yeah mentally I think the thing is the world has opened up so much now we can just do everything remotely but there was still just this big thing. I guess it was just my ego talking where I was like, oh my God, like I still had just felt so worried that I was going to be forgotten. <laughs> I forgotten maybe. And so I was like, oh my God, a big, that was a big thing going, okay, I can do this. Great. All right. I can do mm. this. And I think 
then have just kept I feel like I'm just always like rolling with it and just doing there's always something to paint and that's just what I always think of if there's always something to paint something to create for that's good I have like massive ups and downs of oh my god what am I doing because I just feel like I'm just making up and big mistakes also I've made too um but I feel so lucky like for some reason being in New Zealand hasn't stopped me at all if anything it's really helped tell me let's go back a little bit to finding your what is it like your visual identity and and your work and the denim and all that can you talk me through a little bit about obviously that was when you were in Sydney like how did you get to finding your style well that's a good point yeah because I I did start just originally painting on some canvases and I was painting nudes I think I was like just gone through having a child and just grappling with the whole concept of being a woman and I don't know and so I, I gravitated yeah. towards painting nudes and my dad used to always be such a good sketch life drawing was always such a huge thing he used to do yes so that was like familiar to me and then I was painting nudes and then I did have this amazing kind of outdoor lower balcony basement thing and I had this roll of denim there that I was supposed to be using for this custom project thing and it never happened I remember just rolling it out and I was like oh I know like bleach license like strips out the dye and license it I was like I I'm gonna like paint like this like I just I was like, I don't know I was like oh I'm gonna do this and yeah I was trying these like nudes of Pamela Anderson of all things it's just a lot of form yeah, yeah. yeah amazing poses it's just really funny looking back on that I think I was like oh this is good this is great and I remember wash put hanging them out in the washing line and putting them in the washing machine and I just started sharing that on Instagram and everyone was like oh that's so cool oh that's great and so it is that thing of natural encouragement if people are going oh my god intrigued like you feed off it I'm not gonna lie like it's you get a compliment you're like okay I'll keep going oh absolutely because validation does become yeah absolutely so I I remember doing these big size blue nude woman and again it was that kind of thing I don't even think I'd ever had anything framed yet I was too nervous to go into a framers because I was like oh god I'm probably gonna use the wrong terminology or something and I remember being like oh I've just painted these two big nude blue denim ladies and then I was oh if somebody wants to buy them you can and yeah just through Instagram DMs I, I sold them Someone had said, I want to buy them. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay. And I remember being like, oh my God, okay. And then taking them to framers and then having to get them all shipped. And I think the funny thing is, I, by the time I paid for shipping and framing, I don't think I made any money. <laughs> but I didn't care. I just was like, the fact that they were going to be in someone's house was amazing. Yes. And so much as like friends, there's a community, the people that I hadn't talked to for 10 years. And, hey, I'd love to buy your piece. And I was like, just so honored that a person you love and admire and you want that in your home okay that's the thing is that whole so much of the success of that start of that momentum is to do with that Instagram because it kept the world just felt big and accessible for anyone and I could show my stuff to everyone and and then I decided to be like all right I'll start painting small collections of stuff and I moved into doing landscapes because I felt something was just not feeling freeing with the nudes like I feel like people were getting really attached to this like the figure and they were getting really attached to like exactly how she was looking and I was like oh that's not what I was wanting 
and it and I felt I was getting a little bit tight with the way I was doing it. I was like, I've got to make it look like she's got to look like the perfect body and the thing. And it just, I don't know, it wasn't working. And then I just remember being like, I'm just going to paint these landscapes just from my memories. Because growing up in New Zealand, you just got this like never ending catalog of visuals of the colors and the shapes and all that stuff. And as soon as I started doing landscapes, I was like, oh, this is just felt so much more therapeutic and I felt more connected to it. And I think I just was like, even though the nudes, I feel like is still a part of me. There's still part of, I'm still very intrigued to do it. I probably might go back and do it. It's just something about the landscapes that I was like, oh, this is, is the way I can portray like energy with like color and texture and all that stuff. And I think that's the thing with denim and everything. It's like denim design and print design and textiles, all that stuff. It's about color and texture and getting some kind of energy out there. I'm not a conceptual artist that is working on a story that is really complicated. I want instead somebody to look at my work and just feel like a boost of energy or bring like memory or associate it with, oh my God, that is so like Central Otago or that reminds me of like, the sunrise of here and you know it just it took me a while to realize that's cool my my thing is color and texture and creating some kind of mood and that's okay I think that's the thing is that I feel really lucky because I guess I've accidentally created this process for myself that it's it keeps me on my toes so much like every time I'm doing a piece it's new because each time I'll like throw something in this bucket and I'll pour dye in it or I'll put something outside and I'll pour bleach on it too. And I, every time something new will happen, and sometimes it can be a bit like, oh my God, it didn't go as what I had planned. But it's so good because it'd be too rigid. I have to just roll with it. And it's all that stuff that makes my best work is when I'm like, oh my God, I had no plan on that happening like that. And then I'll be like, oof, but that's amazing. And then I just, I get... It makes me like I have to keep just pushing myself to just experiment, try something. So it's great because I feel like maybe we're going to go, oh, do you ever just not feel inspired? But I'm like, yeah, but I have to, I turn up and I pull something out of the washing machine. I'm like, whoa, okay. Or I turn up and something's dried and it's dried so bizarrely. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. So I, it, it helps because there's always something to keep working with. I was thinking that because I was watching some of your videos and there's obviously control, but there's so much out of your control as well because as you're pouring something on, yeah, like you don't know, like you say, how it's going to dry, where it's going to fall. There's so much to it that is like a constant movement that, yeah, would yeah, on your toes. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Like I always, I, I sometimes I'll leave the studio and after I've just like poured all everything and everything's wet and I go, oh my God, I'll come home and I'll rant to my partner about being like, I'm like oh my God, and it's just going to look horrible. And then I'll come back the next morning with fresh eyes. Like it always helps to just get away. I'll come back the next morning and it's dry and I'll be like, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like then come that night. Oh, actually, everything's great. No, I'm good. I'm back. So you found your denim voice. So then do you go, okay, I'm going to need bulk denim and this is a world I know. So I'm going to start approaching. Yeah. By now, that's the thing. Like, I think I was lucky that because I was traveling so much, seeing these denim factories and these different suppliers, I have such a good relationship with them because I think I always, I, I think it's like the New Zealand work ethic. I just always made sure that, 
we had a really nice respect within the our dynamic. As a designer, you're like, yeah, Jean, I'm a designer, but you're like, Bear's doing so much hard work behind the scenes. So I feel like we had this good mutual respect. And so there's a few places that it's, if you've got some offcuts and stuff like that, can I get that from you? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. I don't know if that would have happened if I was just some random person. So there is times, especially now, that I do need to pre-plan and be like, okay, I need like X amount of blue and all this stuff because right. I will take on like some big commissions. Somebody's building a house and they'll be like, I want three pieces and I need two big blue ones here and this. And there'll be particular denim that I need because it won't get down like a nerdy track of denim. But it's, it's like certain different denims one will be like really green tone or something. And I'll be like, oh shit, I need to make sure it's like this one that's going to be really white and bright. So there will be things like that I have to be a little bit more conscious of, but that's okay. I've got a system for that now. And does it literally come from China? Yeah. Or do you just give me what you got yeah. and then you sort? Because you've got to think of yeah. it like when they're making like 5,000 pairs of jeans, a strip, a big, a strip of denim that's one meter by one meter or even like a three meter piece, it's no use to them because they're not going to cut that into, they might make a sample or something, but even then they need to work on it as these thousand meter rolls. So it's just bizarre. Like you just know, I guess I just knew the insides of how the factories work and just the wastage that occurs with that kind of stuff. So I guess it was this kind of this happy thing. I was, I was like, I'll take your scraps. So how often would you bring it in now then? I now will probably only do a couple each year just because I try and yeah. avoid doing lots of small shipments and stuff like that. And you just have to factor that cost yeah. into your operating yeah. costs. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But being in New Zealand, it's not very easy to find art materials anyway. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I feel like you're shipping in lots anyway, which so I just try to minimize yeah. how much I do it. So let's talk a little bit about what your business as an artist looks like today. You're a working artist, you have a studio, you work every day mm-hmm. around what all the other stuff. How many exhibitions are you doing? How are you selling? All of that kind of thing. How have you structured it? I feel like the flow over the last couple of years has been like working towards like maximum two exhibitions a year. Um, sometimes that changes the timing. But yeah, because you have to work so far ahead for that. You know that any exhibition you actually have will be in like a year's time. So two exhibitions a year. Um, and then... Where are they? Well, the next one I'll have actually is back in Dunedin. Then... Mm-hmm. There was going to be one up in Noosa, but I'm not sure about timing of that one yet. So now I'm trying to figure out if I do a Sydney or a Melbourne thing. I'm like, but I, part of me now still wants to keep the New Zealand. I I feel like I still have only just scratched the surface of the New Zealand creative scene that I feel like I I go, why am I jumping back to Sydney? I felt like Mm. the first year I was here, I was jumping back like every few months for an exhibition. And I was like, I feel like there's still so much to do here. So I'm in two minds about that. Torn. But otherwise then what I'll do, so it's it's between like exhibitions, then I'll be do like a, I guess you call it like a private catalogue release where I'll do like 10 paintings at a time. I'm trying to do now 20 just to, not at a time, but trying to build up about 20. And then I've got like a mailing list, which is I get those emails. I love getting the catalogue. Oh, that's good. Because yeah. I would go, oh, God, I hope we're not yeah. spamming people too much. No, I love it because they're not often. Yeah. And I always look through them and I often, I keep forwarding them to my husband, waiting for him to 
Yeah. Safe. I've got this but... beautiful, like there's a consistent group of people that like, I've got this mailing list now and it's, I send it out and it's so good that sometimes like I'll talk to someone over like a year or two years of like them looking into a piece and then they'll finally find the pieces, like the one that re- resonates with them and financially it's the right time. And I'm like, oh yeah, this process does work. And that's the thing. I think the process of me working directly with buyers by just sending out the catalog and because then we can talk about the sizing and sometimes I can mock it up on their wall or I can talk about framing and helping save on shipping costs and all that stuff. And originally I was like, I want to get away from that because I didn't want to be the person to directly, like I want somebody else to do it for me. But I don't know, the more I do it, the more I kind of love just being the direct person as much as I, I still love having a gallery help do stuff with you yeah so I feel like I've been going back and forth this balance of how much of the gallery stuff but the thing is like the gallery stuff is so important because I don't want to just be stuck on an Instagram grid like you can get really like oh my god I want to have my stuff in 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 rooms that people can come and actually see especially my work is so textural and like you can you don't get to see it all on a tiny Instagram square and I feel like I just, the balance is necessary. So it's like, you can see it in real life, but it's also the, the possibility to be able to buy it through me. And then I will also take on commissions and we're just learning to, I only take on commissions where they're open to me creating something new and for a particular space. I think I had a time where I was like just saying yes to any commission because I was like just so thankful for it. But I always have to have a really good conversation with the person who's doing the commission because my work is so unpredictable and so like unique. I can never recreate something exactly. Yeah. So that's been a big hard thing because they go, I really want a piece, like a version of that for my home. And I'm like, of course I want to do it for you. But I have to always be like, but it's, you've got to get them to strip that idea of what they think it's going to be like. And nine times out of 10, it's worked out totally fine. But there's an added responsibility that I always go. And pressure is in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think what's working well these days is I think um, when they, if I trust you, if they've seen my work for long enough, that they don't just love one piece, they love the, the whole vibe and they want we talk about it in depth of what they're wanting and the colors and this thing that then it's totally worth it doing like a commission for them that's mm-hmm. you've got your own unique piece yeah but that's been a whole thing because it is such an important part of my business like I do it's like I kind of splitting it up between like direct sales through catalog commissions and gallery like I need them all but they all come with their own different pressures or Yes. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Three different yeah, channels, yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But it's nice, like you said, doing the direct work, that's great. It's got its benefits. But get, keeping in working with a gallery, it offers a whole world of benefits. Like you say, people get to see your work physically, but it also keeps you in that art world. And yeah, that's a whole big part of being an artist yeah. as well, is being in that art world and being recognized and seen, you know, and it's all important. And then these beautiful commissions. Yeah, I feel like, especially when I first started and stuff, and that you compare yourself so much to other artists and what they're doing, but there's always have to tell myself I'm what I'm doing my plan is usually it's like a long-term plan I want to be doing this for the next 10 20 years so 
I don't need to rush to make like I don't need to rush to have this like quick quick to market quick sales quick thing quick I don't know or quick growth I think sometimes I'll be like oh I'm Mm. feeling like I haven't done enough I always feel like I haven't done enough then I'm like wait actually if I just slowly chip away at it in 10 years time I'll be already further along and then in 20 years time I just keep telling myself it's a slow journey and I think in this world we have this perception of quick growth and oh yes they did this and overnight and all of these things and it's like you say it's a long game it's Mm. a long life and actually having that long focus is much more beneficial to you to your life to your business to your creativity all of it you know well that was actually a big part of moving to New Zealand I was like this is going to help me slow down and not feel like I need to get into this like quick fast turning art business to keep just financially afloat in Sydney I was like this is going to help me slow down a bit which in Mm. turn is going to just help me have better longevity but yeah it is like it is hard because you have some months and stuff I'm like god talk about slowing down like a really (laughs) (laughs) but I just kept kept telling myself I'm like sorry 10 years time 10 years time yeah totally and also nothing's forever (laughs) like we've got phases of life yeah yeah yeah. I'll probably be over it in 10 years on to the next thing do you find I wonder if that coincides with winter as well because everything in winter does feel slow and dark and moody and and then as soon as the sun starts coming up it's magic again and you're like oh I love it love life oh my god yeah yeah. I mean it's a thing I mean I paint nature and landscapes and stuff and I think it's because I get so moody if I don't get out into yeah nature or just even like to see the horizon or like just to be able to go out and stuff and so the last couple of days it's been so beautiful and it's like I was like I'm a different person I'm like oh everything's wonderful you know it's you know, I really like myself yeah, again yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah the winter yeah winter has been a little bit brutal hey everyone the podcast will be back in just a moment after this message from our very first podcast sponsor Hi, super creative listeners. It's Mandy here from Bookity Book Books, your very own locally owned online indie bookshop, a virtual sanctuary for the book obsessed. We offer books that are chosen to challenge and inspire, selected from a wide and wonderfully diverse range of authors from home and abroad. Today, we would love to offer an exclusive discount to super creative listeners. Use the code SUPER2023 for 10% discount on our website. Visit www.bookityBookBooks.co.nz. Terms and conditions are in the show notes. So on that, tell me a little bit about what your what a typical day and week look like for you. Every Monday I go in and I handwrite Monday, Tuesday. I can never, I still can't keep a computer calendar. Like, honest, I'm just the worst at keeping me like neither. a calendar. Yeah. I write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I plot in things. And I share custody with my son, with his dad. And so I know the days I'm going to have school pick up. And I, the days I'm going to have a full day to my, like, a full day. So on school pickup days, I have to be like, "This I've got this two-hour chunk of work, and if I miss that two yeah, hours, three minutes, yeah, time if work, I miss yeah. that, it's gone. Like I'm not getting that back. Yeah. So I will split it up. And some days I'll be like, if I'm picking up my son from school, I'm like, today's going to be like an email day where I just do emails, admin, all that stuff. And then when I don't pick him up from school, I'll be like painting because I can stay as long as I want. I can stay. So yeah, I feel like being a mum, you just have to be super organized to get freedom. 
Like you've got to be, yeah. I've got to be so lame to get some free time. To get that freedom. Yeah. 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 So I, but I will, I, I, every day I go into the studio, like I don't, like honestly, like today I've recording this from home and I, I was like, I'm going to stay at home for the rest of the day and do work from home. And that's like really foreign to me because I like going into the studio. I just like having that separation from home and work. I go in. The beauty of my work is that I can work for a couple hours of painting and then I need to wait for it to dry. So then I go and do something else. Some days I love that. And then some days that feels really like messy and I'm I'm putting on my painting clothes, taking it off, putting them on, put it I think as yesterday, I was like, man, I think I like doing it either a painting day or an admin day or, or yeah. a designing day. Like if I've got some contract work to do, I'll mm. do that. But yeah, I am very much, this doesn't sound very cool, but I am very much Monday to Friday because I have, otherwise, because I've got, I've got my son and I've, we've got mini ball and soccer. Life. When on weekends, if I've got free weekends, I will pop in and do stuff, especially when I'm on deadlines. Like I, like I'll mm. go, oh, like I ramp it up there. But I've always been, I've always even been better. I'm better in the mornings than I am at night. I always think I've got to make it sound cooler. So I seem like this like erratic artist that has crazy systems. But I've always. I feel like those are the artists of yesteryear, though. Yeah. And usually the male ones, yeah, yeah, not yeah, the female yeah. ones I know. that are doing everything else as well. Yeah. I love Brett Whiteley's work. And I'm always like, oh man, all of these huge pieces created over these like massive, I don't know, just 10 day long binges mm. I just go like oh like I wonder what that would like be like but I just feel so lucky though like I live in this amazing space in Dunedin where like I go oh my god my day is magical I, where I go I can go in paint for a bit talk to spend time around great creatives some friends see people sometimes I manage to fit in some exercise here and there and then still be able to get my son and we do stuff together. And I go, I wouldn't have been able to do that in Sydney. Like I used to spend mm. three hours a day in my car, just commuting and all that. And so it's all that kind of lame stuff that you go, oh, I sound so middle-aged by being like, oh, I just love having all the ease of no traffic and stuff. But it's mm. just my world's opened up here because I feel like I can do so much in a day. And I go, I can't believe I got to paint today and got to do like stuff at home and I just like when I feel like mm. I need that for my mental health. I I feel like I, yeah. I just all of that stuff is so important. And I think it's just ages and stages. Like your twenties is a fast yeah. paced young person's game, and it's like you are happy to be living in the city. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's nothing. To, it's not even to do with parenthood. I think or anything. It's just you as you get older, your priorities change, yeah, yeah. and you start to go into a new phase and. You find the joy in that the simplicity, I think, yeah. often of life. Yeah. And it's so great. And so, yeah, it's, I think most people end up searching for that simplicity. Yeah. I just feel like I go, yeah, it's like that thing of now, it's like coming home, it's still light. And then going down and I live close to the beach and it's just, like, oh my God, seeing that big body of water. And it's so grounding. It's so good. And it's just so good for my son to just also realize that, like, like being, out there and doing all that and stuff is like so important I just yeah I think growing up in New Zealand you realize how much he had that as a kid and didn't realize he doesn't realize how likely he is one day he would yeah yeah <laughs> you never do and isn't it funny that we all go like we all chase away and then we come mm. back or many of us come back and okay so values or ethos that drive your work 
I think what I was saying before, just about taking the choice of whatever's going to give me like benefit in the long run, like the slow game. Values, like I feel, I've always thought this, like any job I've had or stuff like this is just be a nice person and it will come back to you. Like my like the relationships I've had with people and the community I've created, that, that just comes around and when you least expect it and it's so important. And I always say that you can be super talented in whatever job you want to do. But if you're not a nice person to be around, you're not going to get that far. As I get older, I'm trying to listen to myself more about what do I want to do, trying to take out the noise. But that's hard. I think you know that's hard to do is to not let the noise come in about what I want to do and want to create. Yeah, I think that is right. Like the world is noisy. I find that in my own life and it is about just focusing in on what you're working on and what. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're heading rather than listening to, but like you say, it's easier said than done. So. It's not, not comparing yourself as, as mm. hard. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know anyone, everyone I talk to has imposter syndrome. Everyone compares. And I think we all, I don't know, you imagine that no one else is comparing themselves <laughs> to anyone <laughs> yeah. else. And yeah, it, not just in the podcast, but in life, I'm like, every, we're all the same. Mm. We're all the same humans. Anyway. Okay. So far. What have been your biggest highlight or highlights of this journey? Well, I think, oh, do you know what? It's like, it's, instead of saying like a, an exhibition or something like that, like, it's just the fact that I've managed to pull off living here and painting and making it my income my life I can raise my son whilst being a painter just being able to pull that off I think it's only just been in the last couple of months that I've gone oh my god like you're doing it oh my god like you're doing it and I think that's a big thing because I just didn't know if I was going to be able to do it how cool is that yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome even if whatever if things go pear-shaped it's so cool to be able to even tell myself when he's older oh this is what our flow was for a while or maybe it still is but that's cool I'm sure it will be but you're right like it's a massive achievement in itself just to be a working painter yeah awesome and that you not posthumously or whatever it's called not when you do yeah yeah, yeah. I've always been about like that though in terms of though like I'll, I'll get on to something and I'll like never just want to keep it as a hobby. I'm like, no, nah, I want to make this like my thing. And I remember people saying to me like, oh, it's so good you're painting, but like you'd never want to make that like your thing. And I was like, no, nah, that's going to be my thing. <laughs> and I was like, go. You're like, so hopefully something else I, doesn't catch yeah, you. Yeah, I was like, minute. you're a jewelry designer. I need a hobby you know? that's just going to stay a hobby because now my hobby yeah. is my art, my passion and everything. Has there been any moments as a painter that have been a game changer and that might be someone purchasing your work or, I don't know, any moment like that? Yeah, I had, I had, actually early on I had a really good thing where I had an exhibition in Milan and it was cool because, again, it was like this kind of full circle thing because I had a gallery who loved my work and that was when I was still doing nudes. Um, So that was amazing. Again, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is great. Like, just again. How did that happen? Did they my ha- work on Instagram and then wow, I painted like them 10 pieces and I sent them over. It was through COVID, so I couldn't travel over. I feel like maybe, I feel like that was hard because I feel like we lost momentum to do stuff again. But 
we're still in touch, but I just, it, but it was again, a really good thing that boosted me there. But then recently it's been being able to share my story and my process and all that stuff through things like I got this great article on Homestyle magazine and then on design files and things like that. And that was so down to the help of Kelly, like Kelly Mueller doing her marketing. I think what people don't realize is that they think that that's just stuff happens out of nowhere. There's an amazing network of amazing marketing people which is not my area and it's not my expertise. And that is a whole thing that I admire so much when people are in marketing, PR and all the publications. That I felt like was just such an amazing lift of moving back to New Zealand and getting that help to get my word out there because it helped me, I guess, gain lots of collectors and buyers and stuff like that might not see me on Instagram because even though obviously I use Instagram it's a small demographic and I'm not a Instagram personality person I just post it as it's it's my portfolio it's my mood board and so there's a lot of people who come to me for work and buy my work won't actually know me from Instagram it's through seeing things in articles mm. and even having a article in the South Island magazine like the 031 or in the ODT I owe so much to all of those publications and stuff because it got me a really good force of momentum with people that maybe wouldn't have seen my work like you say instagram's great it works on so many levels it's a visual portfolio it connects you with heaps of people but there's still loads of yeah. other ways to connect with people and it's important to have it all yeah. you need all of those things but yeah i can see just even even when you just see yourself in print <laughs> yeah. and see your story in print, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. It gives you a chance to like even like just refine what wait, what am I doing? What is my process? What am I like? I don't know. I was like, yeah, it was, but it was also so nice just to have like support from Kelly and Alice who does Homestyle and just because it's really hard to just boost yourself all the time. It's exhausting being your own cheerleader. That was, yeah. Super helpful. It's so nice having someone else to shout out about your achievements. And it's very hard to do it yourself. Sometimes you do need the help. So, so far, what have been the challenges mm. for you, do you think, in your life as an artist? I mean, I think there's the logistical things of like um, – just the scary highs and lows of cash flow and you feel like you're putting big chunks of money at risk because you don't know if you're going to sell work at an exhibition or you're spending. And now I am in New Zealand. Like I do need to factor in more travel costs to go do exhibitions and stuff like that because that is the reality of it. So you just, you're just putting a little bit more, like you just, the more and more you go along, the more and more you put. It's like uh, you put your cash flow on the line and you don't know exactly what's around the corner. And, but I always just think of it. It's like, I'm in a small business. I'm starting. You've got to put money. You've got to spend money to make money. You've got to spend, you know, like all that stuff. And again, like freight's been a big issue since. It's just freight's just so crazy, so big, so hard to navigate to get that right. I feel like I've always one step forward, 10 steps backwards, just trying to figure out the best way to do all that. I think challenges to do with also like figuring out like do I have a website where you can sell add to cart I tried it didn't work or didn't like the way that worked 
changing that process, changing the way I just navigating all of the processes of how I talk to different collectors and buyers and even the commission process, all that stuff. Sometimes it's hard because you are just talking to yourself. And then I go, sometimes I can be too proud to just ask for help or try. I feel like I always have to know the answer. And I don't because there's so much stuff I don't know. And so what I did last year, there's so many things I've changed. So I think that's sometimes hard. Like I love working by myself. I'm quite like putting on my music and working for myself. I love, I, I realized that I probably wasn't suited to being in this kind of big managerial role like in the past. I love working by myself, but it can get really exhausting to figure out what's the right move because no one's there to tell you. So I think that's been hard, but I guess I just keep rolling with it. You're still kind of early yeah. days, like you say, of this long game. And it's a, again, it's a common thing. And this is why people end up with business mentors or, or like a community of other businesses that you can bounce yeah. off and pick brains and that, because it is hard to do things by yourself. It's important for mm-hmm. us to have these people that we like bounce ideas off and because it is hard making these decisions. Yeah, yeah. By oh, I've totally lent on friends that I'm like, they think we just have your coffee catch up and I'm like, <laughs> and what do you think about this? Should I be doing, like, you know? And then I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I love it. Okay, now marketing. Mm-hmm. I am in the marketing world. I love marketing, all of that. So let's talk a little bit about marketing yourself as an artist, as a business. Obviously, you've got Instagram, like, all sewn up. You're so clever at that. <laughs> You have such a great mix of yourself, your life as an artist, your work, your process. Has that sort of been a learned thing? And are you considering growth and building your Instagram account as you're doing this stuff? Or is it a bit of everything? Yeah, yeah. no, I am. Like, I would be, it'd be a life. I was like, oh, no, I just... Do whatever. I think post with the moon. Yeah, it's really hard these days with Instagram because I feel like, God, it's one minute you're like, oh, I've just finally got posts or the next minute you're going to make these like super high-tech reels and then you're like, oh, God. But at the end of the day, I'm there to post my mood board. So if somebody just discovered me, they can go onto my page and they go, oh, I get the art. I love sharing behind the scenes process of it and stuff like that because I think that is really intriguing I sometimes I just have to put myself in that frame of mind of like what would I want to see like we're all we're all love seeing tidbits from people's behind the scenes and all very curious I think I used to when I first started Instagram I would post so much more like I would post lots of different like inspiration stuff like even my fashion stuff and all that I've stopped doing that now I feel like it's more just it's just my art but that's probably just as my life's gone on and is now just the art anyway yeah, it's hard because I feel like there'll be times I'll be like, oh, this is going well. Oh, and then things will slow down and I'll be like, oh, God, what else do I need to show off to gain interest? And you feel like sometimes I'll post something and then my brother's in the corner. He's like, oh, rolling his eyes. And then I, but I think sometimes I've learned just to be like, whatever. I'm posting myself out mm. there. I think I've learned to maybe, yeah, I don't post as much personal stuff anymore. I was definitely like out there. It's weird because I do, I'm happy to share stuff. And then I think just maybe the last year I've gone a little bit like, this is my art. And yes, I'll share a bit of my personality and all that stuff. Because I also don't like being too serious. And so, 
at the end of the day, people aren't here following me for me. It's my art. Like, so I feel like, and I don't know whether I just needed to create a little bit of a boundary or something. I, yeah, I don't know, but I just, I do now. I just, I guess I have things that I consider. I go, oh, that's cool. I guess to me, it's like anything that's visual, I will post. And I think also mm. the process, because I do, I get so, I love watching other artists process about what they're doing mm. in their studio. Even, yeah, their work ethic, what's their, what do they do and stuff. And I, I think you, I'm not just saying this because I like your work and I'm talking to you, but I think you do it really well. Like, oh, thank it's you. the perfect little mix of, and it is like just seeing your work and seeing artists work. It is, it's delightful to watch when you are a fan mm. or you love the work and, but you've got a nice mix of, it's not too personal, yeah. but you can get a feel for And before we chatted, I said I, I went through. And it's also a bit of fun. Some of those things are fun to make. And it, it's good to grow that community because we are all looking for connection. And I always hate using the word authentic because everyone hates that word. But it is nice to see authenticity on the squares. Yeah. I think it's, it's you're always going to go back to it like, okay, this feels like me. Cool. And I think the thing is, I do like sharing, I mean, like sharing things. I feel like I'm like, oh yeah, another beach walk or just photos of rocks or stuff. Yeah. some funny stuff with my son or something. I don't know, because I'm like, because that fuels me creatively. And so it's, it's nice to just see what is fueling the person that is making the art. I think I, that's cool. But yeah, it has been like a thing. I feel like I'm in a good rhythm of it now, but it, it, it's like, as soon as you get a rhythm of it, like then Instagram changes. It's a moving target. And I always go like this thing. I'm so thankful that my website is doesn't really, I don't use it as I should to sell stuff, but I do. I can gain, like people can sign up for my mailing list, see my work. It's there because I always go, God, one day Instagram's going to be like, I don't know what yeah. it's going to be. And I can't rely on that forever. Yeah. So it's a bit of a weird So thing. yeah, I wanted to talk to you about your mailing list. How have you grown that? Is that just from sort of Instagram, website? Yeah. Yep. And then now you've got a nice little community. Yeah. So it's pretty much what well, started just on Instagram being like, send me an email. I, I would like manually, and I used to manually like email everyone individually. And then now it's too big that like, I, I would try <laughs> to start like emailing anyone at the start. And then by the end of the day, I hadn't even got to the end of the list, but someone had already asked to buy a piece. So then that person missed out. But I do know what's hard is that I still want to email everyone individually because like how nice is it like when you get an automated email you don't feel that connected hmm. so I'm always like damn it like I want to individually email people about it I feel like I did get an individual email from you yeah. I think maybe I must have signed up early on because I feel like I did yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good but I honestly like I uh, that's hmm. the thing of learning of oh man like having that proper dialogue with someone does make a big difference especially when you're purchasing art that was a big thing I was like mm. art you can't treat like just a quick add to cart thing well you can but I just was like just doesn't wasn't resonating with me so now people can join the email list so then I feel like maybe I want to get better at maybe giving people some heads up for when new stuff is getting released because otherwise it's uh, yeah but it's like hard because I yeah so at the moment yeah through Instagram through my website everyone just signs up and then I just keep everyone on the loop there as much as I can yeah so that's been a real savior that's a really big thing is having this mailing list and it is it's like always the same like some people I've talked to for years and still haven't quite like got a piece yet 
but they will one day and there's mm. no rush. That's what I mean. Like I'm not in a rush. They're not in a rush. But I keep sharing mm. it and then it will, that's the thing. Buying art is a big personal thing. It's a, it's something, it's not a quick, quick process and it's a really personal considered thing. So I, having the malleness mm. is nice because you just go along the journey with everyone and when they're ready, they're ready and it's great. Yeah, I love that email list as personal connected as a personal like you say you talk to people on and off for a while and it's like fostering those relationships and stuff it's cool looking back with hindsight is there anything you would do differently in this journey you're currently on I don't know, because there's that whole cliche of, no, because I wouldn't be where I am. But yeah, it was probably a few things that I've, there's always, there's probably a couple of, yeah, there's definitely a few exhibitions or something that I've done or a couple of <clears throat> things that I said yes to and just lost a lot of money for it. And I go, oh God. But at the time, I honestly didn't know any better life. I honestly didn't know any better and at the time, mm. it felt like a good idea. So like, I don't know. Yeah. I probably should change that question because it is right. Like all of that stuff is just learning. Yeah. yeah okay. You might not do it, but then you wouldn't have learned how to do that or that I need to be discerning when I do this or whatever. So it probably I mean, is a, I, a funny question. I will probably say I wish I, in the early days, I probably wish I had listened to myself earlier and maybe started painting more and more like full-time earlier I just let myself get to the absolute brink of burnout so I probably now I don't think I'd ever let myself get to that but I again like at the time I thought that level of intensity was normal but like any person looking back on the younger self probably wished I listened to myself more and I didn't so there's obviously <laughs> something in there yeah, yeah totally who or what have been the biggest influences in your work? I think some of my great close friends have been so good at just helping me, give me that boost to keep going along. Because people like Kelly Mueller and then I've got a friend, Amanda Jones, she's just this epic powerhouse creative agent. And I'm asking them for as friends for advice, but they're just so, they're, they're everything I'm not in terms of, they're really like hard-ass, they're like um, really decisive and and so like they've helped me just give me that boost um then but yes yeah, so I've got so many friends like that but creatively also I feel like I always there's so many amazing female artists and especially in the Sydney community that like I would look towards like um have kind of done their own thing because it's really hard to especially in a quite a male-dominated industry and the art industry so people like like Vicky Lee and she's got her like Vicky Lee gallery or like Ash Holmes has got Haki House or even like CJ Hendry in um, New York and stuff like, like just forging their own path and they've obviously gone on all these different directions and stuff I love looking at them because it makes me be like cool I'm just I'm plotting along in my own way so that's been really and it's cool. okay to be my own path yep that's cool. What businesses or brands do you admire? And I know we've talked about artists, but is there any other kind of businesses or brands out there that you admire? 
I think it's probably, I just said it before, like maybe what some of these, like these gallery spaces like Haki House or who are championing um, emerging artists and doing things in a new space or like Rainbow Studios, it's like creating these like cultural spaces rather than that traditional white box, quite private society art thing. Or yeah, the way that Vicky Lee does her gallery as well. Otherwise, I love following just like, different businesses that hero other businesses like how design files will bring to light so many different creative communities what is the best I usually say business advice but advice that you have received and or and or any advice that you would like to pass on I think this is because as an artist I really think you can get so you feel like you're you can just go up and down so hard about how much you're worth and pricing your art is like, oh, you feel like you're, you just, it's a really hard thing to get right. And I don't even know if, like, I, I don't even know if I got this right anyway. But I just remember someone saying, if you don't feel uncomfortable about where your prices are at, then it's too low. So, ah, and I, that's good advice. Because people just, it's, there's this perception that art is like, just overpriced because it's just overpriced and obviously there's so many different scales of how that happens but it's so much goes into people just don't realize that like those prices aren't coming out of nowhere that is actually the only way to make a sustainable living because like art costs a lot to make it's a lot of time a lot of materials a lot of stuff like even people don't even understand how much money things go into the framing and all that which is like Mm -hmm. a whole artistry in itself so I think like for so long, I was like, oh my God, I just, like, I don't want to like pricing your stuff to show your worth. And then it got to the point where I was like, I remember just hearing that. It was like, if you don't feel uncomfortable or a bit uneasy with it, then it's too low. Like you've got to feel mm. a little, just that point of where you go, oh my God, am I worth that? But also you have to, because otherwise what's, you can't do something if you're not going to be able to make a living from it, even a super mm. humble living, like no artist is making a great living. Like, if you can't make a humble living on it, then, like, what? it's not what's the point, but you won't want to keep doing it. You'll lose your love for yeah. it. Or you won't be able to keep doing yeah. it. Yeah, like, you just actually won't be able to yeah. keep doing it. <laughs> so yeah. I just remember yeah. that. And so whenever, yeah, it's always stuck with me. And I think just some things, like, don't, especially when you, like, get too involved in yourself, you're, like, people are judging or watching or seeing, like, nobody actually cares what you're doing everyone just scrolls past looks what you're doing and then moves on with their own stuff everyone's so involved with their own shit that no one actually cares and I like that when sometimes when you just take your ego out of it and you're like oh do it get about it move on <laughs> yeah mm. oh, it makes such a difference when you do I often do that like you get caught up in the stuff mm. and then you're like no one actually cares yeah, yeah, no yeah. One, you've spent all this time thinking about it and no one's noticed, so just move on and just keep doing what you're doing. It's Yeah, that's great advice. And I actually love that advice about the pricing because I think that's across the board yeah. in any kind of business and what you're doing. That's really, I can take that on myself. It's good. Really good advice. <laughs> what is the future for you as an artist? We've talked about this. We're playing the long game. Is there any sort of, we've talked a little bit about exhibitions, but are there any kind of hopes and dreams you've got for your life as an artist that you want to share? 
I would love to be able to have a space where I love my studio where it is at the moment, but and it's a beautiful space, but it's limiting in terms of I can't show my work. I don't have a wall space or anything to be able to show my work or anything like that. And it's, I don't want to switch to having my own galleries, but I would just love to have this beautiful, like a co-working space like I have with like different artists and different creatives and stuff like that. But maybe with just more potential, be able to have people come and visit the space and it's set up. So, and there's so many amazing creative businesses here as well, or like different new businesses that I think there's a great amount of people that have gone and lived overseas and come back recently and I feel like there's just so much potential to do some like cool things there like that we've seen overseas and just like it just hasn't been unlocked here so I think I would love to be able to have that kind of blend of like a studio gallery space just so I can because I do love like the whole business around it like I don't necessarily mean working with buyers and the promotion of and all that stuff I still love, I don't actually, I don't shy away from that stuff. So I want to keep growing that whole concept. And you've got so much experience in like your old business life. Yeah. Like those are all skills that you can bring to your new work. And that's the thing is I just didn't know, it's always something like I dreamed of and I didn't know if it was possible, but I feel like the more and more I go along, I'm like, oh, there's a gap for that. I feel like I'm always turning people away from coming to visit the studio because I just don't have the right setup. So I just, it's just things like in my mind, I go in my head, who knows how many years away that is. One day, that kind of space. Yeah. It would be so great to just have a constant place that people could come and view your art, wouldn't they? And and if I'm going to be in Dunedin, oh, go and check out Meg Studio. And yeah, it would be. I, Dunedin is such, I haven't been, I've actually only been once and it was such a long time ago, but I keep hearing more and more about people moving back there or moving Mm. there and what an awesome creative cultural city it is. And that it's, and I keep hearing that it's a really inspiring place to be and that there is lots of really great creatives and cool businesses. And I always think back to the my kind of early 20s was in the 2000s and that was when the nom yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know like there was lots of there's a lot of heritage and fashion and creative history in Dunedin yeah yeah it's like there's obviously the scope to be able to do yeah it's a good oh, man, it's, I feel so lucky that my base point is Dunedin like that that I wasn't just moving back to New Zealand and I was like, no, I'm moving back to Dunedin because there's just like this like untapped, it's like an untapped resource and there's just so much potential there and I think there's a lot of people that have moved back and like, yeah, there's like a good, there's this big like group of everyone who's just coming back and we're like, how good is this? Why didn't we think this was good when we were younger? What? And so that's cool. I think that's been really great. Like I haven't felt at all lacking in having a great, community around or like-minded people so I think that's been awesome what are you passionate about besides your work what brings you joy yeah it's funny because sometimes <laughs> I'm like people are like oh you've got to do some things for you and I'm like but painting is my time because I put on music and I get to paint like how good is that yeah. but I do I love I'm very lucky like in the same building there's a bar studio so like bar pilates yoga and it's and I used to do dancing when I was younger. So I, I that 
is definitely something that I love doing regularly. And those, the girls like Rosa who runs that and the instructors, like they're such a great group of people. So I feel very lucky to have it that super close to me and I tap into that because I just exercise and all that stuff is important to me. And I just, I'm such a, it's the thing I am a bit of a homebody like it's just having people over cooking just all that stuff like cooking for people and all this stuff like I love like trying to be a little bit more balanced and not inviting people over all the time and then getting stressed about it (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I just will say yes to every social thing and then I'll get so exhausted and I go why but yeah but just since I've been back, though, it's like just spending time with my family as well. It's been like I haven't been in the same city with them as for 10 years. So I feel like I'm so just like, I just love that. But, this is great. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Cool. And what does success look like to you personally, professionally mm-hmm. or both? I think maybe it's just like success is like when you have the least, I don't know, maybe how to explain it, but a really like a being able to create a balanced day of where you're successful enough that you're not worried. But I don't want to be so successful that I've built all the stuff to worry about. I want to just something that will give me, I think maybe success is being able to do what you love, but with some time to be able to spend time with your loved ones. Like I just want to think mm. I feel so lucky the amount of time I get to spend with my loved ones now, like, that I don't have to compromise my job and my passion for that. So as long as I can keep that balance going, yeah. And I, I maybe success is like the day that I don't worry that I'll go, I'll be bankrupt in a couple of months. Like I'll go. <laughs> maybe success yeah. is just having a little bit more of a, a cash flow where I just aren't, I'm not working from project to project. And it's like we talked about it before, it's about the long game, but actually in a short time, what you've created yeah. already is the fact that you're even a full-time yeah. working artist this soon into your career yeah, yeah, is yeah. testament to it. So I can only imagine that you're going to, yeah. that balance will <laughs> continue. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's the end of all the big questions it was as I expected I actually feel like I've just got so many more questions and like just could talk for ages about it all but obviously we have to cap it at some point I've loved hearing all about your journey so far as an artist and your take on it all as well as your beautiful work as I've said many times so thank you for being really open and generous with yeah, sharing the ins and outs of your journey so far. And yeah, oh, I thank you. It's no, nice to see. It's nice having a moment to be, it's nice doing these things because you actually give yourself a moment to stop and go, oh, yeah, okay. Like, not too yeah. bad. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, so the last bit is just the quick fire faves where I just run through a few things because I'm nosy and I like to know what people are reading and watching, et cetera. Three items you could not live without. Okay, uh, aside from saying like people like my son, like loved, I, I feel like I'll go material. So, oh God, I don't, I'm going to just say it. I reckon like I can't go without my phone. And because I was going to say, I was like, I'll say camera, but I can't. 
because the phone's on the camera, but it's not. It's the phone and the camera. It's both. Can't do You're like, I'm going to call it. I'm going to admit it. Because people say, it's, yeah, but I think also like music though. Like I can't work without music, good music. I'm still actually like, I can't. I just, yeah, I think that is such a big thing for me to be able to like tap into that, that my little creative head space. And I just like, oh. What can't I live without? I guess it's just, I can't, it's just also having a space to create. It's having a space to create. If I don't have a space to create, I get so antsy. I get so agitated if I actually can't go somewhere to create it's the thing. Because I remember not being able to for a month or so between COVID and stuff and I didn't have a space and I was so highly strung. So having my, it's like my safe space, my haven. So it's music, my space, um, and my phone. And your phone. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, on that note, is there an app for life or as an artist that we can't live without? Aside from, yeah, it's like, because I guess it's like I use Instagram a lot. Like, what do I use? Yeah, Spotify because of music, podcasts. Oh, yeah, I feel that's a thing. Sounds terrible to say you've got music. I mean, your phone, but it's like, Everything on there. What have you watched lately that we must see? Oh, okay. Aside from the, I just binged the whole Yellowstone series for so long. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Which I feel so late in the game. But um, last night, no, the night before it, we watched, it's a great doco on Fatboy Slim when he did that huge like Brighton Beach Club party. I've not watched oh, it, but I've watch heard it. about that. It's so yes. good. It, oh, God, I was like, made me want to go out partying. Oh, God, it's so mm. good. It's called, I think it's called like Right Here, Right Now. And it's, oh, it's just so great. I love watching that stuff where you do see like this massive, huge force of community coming together for this like epic, just music moment. It was just great. I was like, oh, God. What, where, where did you see it? It's on, it's on TV and Z plus so super easy okay. so yeah. i was like there's some good stuff on great there. stuff on there god yeah mm, right. yeah so that was really good okay i'm gonna watch that actually. i should. did see that we're going now. to the studio the next morning yeah. tell we always watch things and we sit down and we go oh my god i watched this last night and i was like oh yeah loved it P- play fat boy slow more the next day yeah, i did yeah <laughs> <laughs> when we are in your town where should we go to eat or drink Okay, I feel like whenever we're going out for like drinks on like a Friday, Saturday, or sometimes we do Wednesday happy hour, we always go to this bar called Wolf. It's just such a good like eclectic mix of people and the space is amazing. It's got great, great cocktails and drinks and stuff. And it's just, it's like it was never, that kind of place was never there when I was growing up through the young uni days and stuff. So it's Mm. so good. So we always do this. It's always go to Wolf for like start drinks and then we always then go across the road to pizza bar and which is another new place that's got great wine pizza and yeah we always go there and then you like get on the text wait line to get into pizza bar because we're so packed and so by the time we get to pizza bar we're usually way too drunk and water (laughs) (laughs) but it's great so I feel like yeah that little circuits it's kind of our little routine what are you currently listening to? What should we add to our Spotify playlist? Oh, okay. I am, oh, I've been listening to a lot of this guy, Hack Baker. 
he's been really fun to listen to. Emily Fairlight or Mel Parsons, like sometimes like beautiful female acoustic artists. I love, yeah, God, I feel like I've always got these like on repeat playlists that circulate over and over and then some people always come back in. Like Cat Power mm. always come back in. Or... Do you make your own playlist? Mm. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I've got these yeah. playlists. And no, there's the funniest names, like super sexy songs to paint to or sad songs <laughs> that make you happy or, yeah, like deep mode or melting mix. Just like dumb stuff because yeah. I'll be like, oh, my God, I feel like I've got that thing where I'll listen to one song, I'll listen to it like over and over. So, yeah, and we always share, though, like the speakers at the studio. So people will put on different stuff, which is good. Sometimes I'm like, get me out of my same thing over and over. Do you find working in, I've seen pictures of your studio space on Insta and stuff. And do you find, I was wondering when you're working, is it weird that people are watching you work? Or Oh, yeah. You know, That's like, why I put here. Are you sometimes, oh, don't look. Like, no. Yeah, I do that. But then I go... That's weird. It's I think when I put my headphones on, it's I'm invisible. <laughs> I'm alone. <laughs> yeah. You see me. So I usually will do that if I'm feeling a bit like, oh, strangely enough, I don't know. I don't feel that bothered by people watching. If somebody comes over and they're like, oh, this is looking good. I'm like, oh, I'm in the middle of it. It's not going to look like this. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like we've got a, I've, it's a great mix of people that like, I'm fine doing it in front of them but yes. I have thought about that comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I am comfortable with it but I just always imagine like someone standing behind you going oh no oh yeah that? you're like shush just working somebody sometimes it will walk past and be like oh is that and I'm like no is that your brother yeah yeah it's like I but I think I always look to him for honest advice I'll be like is this what are you saying and he's got a great eyes great advice but then, yeah, sometimes he'll just throw in real mm. cheeky dick. But I'm pretty used to it now. And it is so nice having mm. people around, isn't it? The alternative is you have a solo studio, but then it would be so lonely and you'd get in your head. And so having people mm. around all the time to bounce ideas off and stuff would be cool. Yeah, it's the thing. Like you might get people looking at your stuff, but you also get the things of people going, oh, that's cool. I love that one. Mm. And so even mm. though you go, oh, don't look at it. You, I mm. am subconsciously soaking that up going, oh, that's nice that they like mm -hmm. that. It's Yeah, I think I'd go a little crazy if I was just working by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, could, I think I would too. Okay. Which podcast, apart from this one, do you never miss? So I feel like I like listening. I just love interviews with – I just love interviews because I've just been curious about people's lives. So – I always switch to a good old armchair expert with just with Dax Shepard and like Monica mm. and I go just because I think with podcasts I try to not listen to too many things that are too self-helpy or intellectual because sometimes I'm like it's it's my time to like zone out or like just feel me too. And I remember, yeah, I should remember my therapist saying to me once, don't try and educate yourself every minute of the day, like with stuff. So then on the flip side, I'll like, then listen to these girls, like Hannah and Paige on, they call it the Giggly Squad. And they just talk shit about men and culture and dating and all that stuff. Anyway, it is just wildly easy to listen to, entertaining, funny, witty, 
And I just fit these days. I'm like, you can just listen to that kind of stuff. For a while, I'd listen to Esther Perel and like lots of, and I love it. But I'm always like, oh my God, okay, how do I be a better person? How do I be a better person? You just need that mix, don't you? Like, I'm the same. I've got a few of the kind of girly pop culture, just talking about life and topical things and shooting the breeze. And I just love them because they're just there with me yeah. while I'm yeah, yeah, pottering yeah, yeah, around yeah. and doing my bits. Of, and I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking too much about it. Yeah, but I'm the same. I struggle with the self-helpy because I just want to zone out. Yeah, and, I think that's know. the thing. Oh, another one recently mm. is, is Abby Chatfield's, I think it's called It's A Lot, where, again, it's just, and she does these sometimes these like twenty minute chats with somebody. And they'll just tell a super embarrassing story, and I'm just I'm there. Mm. I'm front row. I'm there. For yeah. It. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a thing. It's just a good little zone out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. What is your go to recipe that you love to cook for yourself or others? Uh, I like. I am. I feel like my default is always a pasta. Like my default's always a pasta or like a good roast took with roast veg. Like that's always because I love them. And I just know like no matter how many people I invite over, I'm just like sweet. I feel like especially with pasta because mm. like, you know when people you come over and you're like busy. I don't want to be super busy. I don't want to be able to have the wine and the chat. But I am since young just always being just pasta. It's like always what I like, always what I think about making. <laughs> yeah, love a good dessert too like an apple crumble or something like that, but I'm trying not to make as much. Okay, final one. Do you read? And if so, what should we read next? I do. I feel like by the time I get to bed and start reading, I get a page in and I am out. But I did, is it called uh, uh, Sorrow and Bliss? That Meg Mason, yeah. That was a good one that I enjoyed. Yeah, on just like mental health and just that journey. I'm currently, it's taking me so long to get through, not because it's bad, because it's actually really good, but like Women Who Run With Wolves, and it's like an older one. Every time I read it, it resonates with me so much, and I'm like, oh my God, yes, I need to tap into that. And so every time I read it, I love reading it, but yeah, it's nonfiction. It's this, uh, I guess it's a spiritual kind of, but she's also like a therapist or a, a, a psychologist, Clarissa. Oh, funny last time. And she'll talk about these kind of great tales about, sometimes it can get a little bit witchy, but I love that. And tales about women and how, we've, I guess it's how women have come to act the way they are these days and how we can try and break out of those cycles. And so I love reading that because sometimes you just go, God, why do I act like this? Or why do I, I feel like as women, we're so hard on ourselves or so in our head. So I've been loving that when I get to read it. But my God. I am, yeah, not, I like I do love reading. I just feel like until I, unless I'm like away on holiday, I struggle to keep up. Hey, that's it. Thank you so much. I um, have just loved it. I've loved our chat and I think you are so open and refreshing and generous with your time, which I said before, but I've just really loved talking about your artist life. It's great. Great. Oh, you're so easy to talk to that, yeah. Hey, have a wonderful day. Enjoy the rest of your day working at home. Okay, hope you have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear what you think about the podcast. And if you wanted to tell your friends about Super Creative, I would just be ever so grateful. 
If you'd like to keep listening, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you wanted to rate and review, that would be amazing. For more information, find us at Super Creative Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Bye.